0: welcome to gone to texas a podcast about amc's preacher my name is alex and i have not read any of garth ennis's preacher
1: and i am nick and i have read all of garth ennis's preacher
0: Today we'll be discussing episode 3 of the show titled The Possibilities and while we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show we will be discussing the details of the series through episode 3 so pause this and go watch the show before you listen to the rest of our episode you can find more of our episodes at g2tpodcast.com that's the letter g number 2 letter t com. we're also g2tpodcast on twitter and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to, to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts about AMC's preachers so we can read them on air. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Uh, this past week, we were contacted uh, by the folks at AMC who wanted to do some cross-promotion for the Preacher Insider podcast, which is AMC's official Preacher podcast. Uh, Assistant editors Will Blank, Matt Smith, and Monica Daniel host a weekly conversation with cast and crew of AMC's original series Preacher. Uh, They sent a clip of the show to play where uh, showrunner Sam Catlin and executive producer Evan Goldberg discuss the mysterious cowboy at the beginning of the previous episode. So we're going to cut to that right here so you can check out a little bit of their podcast. Um, The cowboy is a fan favorite and anyone who's read the comic. Uh, should know who he is pretty quick. And if they don't, they fan of themselves, themselves. <laughs> in disgrace because you're not a real fan. So you can neither confirm nor deny anything? I can't say anything except it's exactly what you think it is, if you know <laughs> what it is. But if you don't know what it is, you don't need to know. If you don't know, you'll find out. You'll figure it out. But it's, uh, it's the part that I'm most excited about. Every time I get to see anything based on the cowboy, I get giddy. And is it a uh, a one to one with the comic, or are we going new directions with it? Or it's it's in some ways it's it the, the, that story is in many ways the most similar. Yeah. From Garth's comic, it's just it's sort of uh, how do I say it? It's sort of the context of of the story is different. It, it actually sort of will resonate in a different way by the time it's over. And, uh, we'll see. It'll have everything to do, even though it takes place in 1881, you'll see by the end of the season that it has everything to do with Jesse. Pretty good uh, discussion of the cowboy. I think Nick got a little little more excited about it. Yeah,
1: I can't wait to see. Well, maybe I do know where it goes, but maybe I don't. It sounds like... You're that. excited
0: to see it depicted. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh we decided to do this cross promotion because the Insider podcast offers things that we can't like getting inside of the production and picking the brains of those that are actually working on the show but at the same time they kind of need to pull their punches a little bit cuz they're going to spoil they they don't want to spoil anything in the future and Nick and I I can speculate a little bit more and Nick can kind of do some non-denial denials and things like that and just to so we still have some punches to pull but We're a little bit more open to discussion than they are. So uh, check out the Preacher Insider podcast available on iTunes and where podcasts can be found. And thank you guys very much for giving us the opportunity to uh, do a little cross-promotion. So this week we got some feedback. Uh, This is from Bruce K. He said, Dear G2T Podcast, I'm a big fan of the comics and I'm enjoying the show so far. About Tulip, they mentioned on Talking Dead or Talking Preacher, I think he meant... That she has a very good reason for wanting Jesse to go along in this job. It just hasn't been specified yet. Uh, I think this is me talking now. I think we learned a little bit more about that in this episode, so we'll get to that shortly. Uh, Also, one observation that I have is that I feel there will be some sort of consequence for the bus driver forgetting about the little girl, and we'll see that soon. Also true. A little bit more of that in this episode, although it may not have come to full fruition as of yet. Right. Uh, And then he said, finally, why do you guys think that Cassidy hates the Big Lebowski? That's from Bruce. uh, (laughs) uh, Bruce from the uh, Screenplay Archaeology podcast where he and rotating co-hosts discuss unproduced screenplays on a monthly-ish basis. Check that out. That is cool. Um, Yeah, so Bruce, thank you for writing in. Uh, Why do we think Cassidy hates the Big Lebowski? Nick? (laughs)
1: Uh, You know, it's funny (laughs) because... As that moment aired last week, and I completely forgot to talk about it on last week's episode, yeah. but as that moment aired and that, and that joke happened, I started laughing so hard. And I said, to Alex, I was just having this conversation the day before yep. with somebody else. Except I I, didn't, I don't hate The Big Lebowski, but I, I don't enjoy it to you the extent... You think it's overrated. I think. I, I think it's either... I don't even know if it's overrated necessarily, but maybe it's just not my cup of tea. Okay. Which is weird because I really enjoy The Coens, but something about that movie... I laugh at, it and I'm like, yeah, that's it's good, it's funny, but yeah, I guess I guess maybe I do think it's a little overrated, I guess. <laughs> but it was just funny because the, the words came out of his mouth, and I just started cracking up because it was just one of those things. Of the day before, I'd been I'd been talking to somebody, and I was like, yeah, the Big Lebowski. I don't know, it's just it's good, but you know, I guess it's important it definitely is unique and original yeah. enough that it kind of put their name a little bit more out there.
0: We do, we like the Coen Brothers, as you can hear on the Midwest Film Nerds podcast, if you go back to any of our episodes where we talk about their movies. Uh, but, I don't know. I've never, I've, I've really only seen The Big Lebowski in bits and pieces. I've seen the whole movie, probably four times over, but it's always been in bits and pieces. <laughs> and uh, there's never been a part of me that wants to sit down and watch the whole thing straight through i would like to at some point but i've never felt the drive to do that so
1: it's almost original to a fault to the point where you i i have a hard time getting invested in it because it's just so different than anything else yeah the one thing I absolutely unabashedly completely and totally love about it is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. He's so good at it. I mean, everybody in it's good. That's the weird thing. Yeah. It's like no, Jeff there's, Bridges. there's nothing I can say like that's bad. That part of the Big Lebowski like uh, Buscemi in it is just really awesome. Yeah. And uh, John Turturro. I mean, there's so many memorable things about it. But for some reason, I'm...
0: here's something I'll say. I don't think I could fault anybody who walks up and says this Coen Brothers movie is terrible because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very particular flavor. It's true. And something tells me that Cassidy is not the kind of guy that likes a Coen Brothers movie.
1: That that is very valid. So I guess <laughs> you're the one actually answering Bruce's question. Well, I just wanted to
0: kind of bring it back around. I think that might be. <laughs> yeah, it's intru- I,
1: I, Cassidy's really interesting. I would love to like from from the comics. I kind of have a bead on what sort of culture he likes. Yeah, but uh, what sort of culture he's he's kind of embraced and made his own, despite his unique standing as mm-hmm. a as a as an individual 17 year old yes vampire. and uh 119 I believe. 119, before anybody me. writes a no <laughs> watch we're both wrong probably <clears throat> anyway but yeah yeah, yeah i th- I agree i i, I would be we, we we do learn a little bit more about what cassidy likes in this episode yeah so
0: yep so, thank you, Bruce, for writing yes, in. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, please Feel keep free. going. Yeah, write in some more. Everybody else out there, we're g2tpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And we always, always answer. Yes, all, we do. Any and all. Criticisms or compliments. There
0: are no stupid questions. Maybe. <laughs> We'll find out.
1: Those are the ones we don't answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's break into episode 103. We're calling it 103. AMC is doing this weird thing where the pilot has become episode zero. So I don't know if that means we are getting 10 additional episodes after that or if we're only getting up to 109. But anyway, we're calling it 103 Uh, and we open on a teaser where Tulip is in Houston talking with the aforementioned Danny in episode two uh, about Danny's abusive husband and relationship. Um, and they're basically there to exchange the map that Danny or excuse me, that Tulip, uh, fought to get. And in exchange, uh, Danny gives Tulip, uh, the last known address of a man that she, of somebody that she wants to track down. Mm hmm. uh, we see that map go to a man in a white suit and hat. Uh, I think I remember you saying this is somebody that you know,
1: Nick. Yes, this is somebody of great significance.
0: Somebody who you've been waiting to to have be introduced. It, yeah, definitely. Did, did the, was the introduction good, or do you want Are you like? Does it leave you wanting more?
1: No. Well, yes, to, <laughs> to both. <Yeah. laughs> it, it is a really good introduction. Uh, it's pretty perfect for the character. I think and uh it absolutely leaves me wanting more i knew i'm I'm beginning to understand the rhythm of this show now okay so as frustrating as it is i, I get it now that like as soon as that scene closed i was like i'm not gonna see him for at least another week yeah. if not two. yeah but basically that's okay because it's, it's a good it's a good uh introduction
0: seems like he's in some kind of makeshift movie theater or something
1: there, there was a poster on the wall that said uh Houston fourth annual snuff film festival okay. or something like that's that. What I, th- I thought something it sounded really gross. like snuff films were going on <laughs> totally. basically. And then okay.
0: basically he stands up or at some point he gets up and, and walks, walks out to go deal with something or do something with this map, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Tulip also has a question. What is Grail Industries? Apparently the map is the property of Grail Industries. So I think that's a question that we'll want answered later on. But, uh, so that's all for the teaser of this episode, I think. Um, Act one, we had quite a bit going on. We've got the strange men continuing their conversation with the sheriff, letting him know that they uh, are tracking down something that got loose and people are in danger. They're undercover. They seem to be of European origin somewhere in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sheriff tells the story basically about kids at an amusement park getting lost, I believe. Uh, I think just a park. Playground. Just at, Playground. Yeah, playing yeah. at a park, and there's, I think, an old man that used to work there that snapped or something like that. It seemed like a very, it seemed like a non-sequitur story, but maybe he's just kind of relating it to maybe there's stuff going on in this town that I don't know about.
1: I think he's, yeah, exactly, and, and for the fact that things can happen kind of under your nose or in the background without you even knowing, and... It's it was almost kind of a No Country for Old Men moment. There's that that really awesome monologue that Tommy Lee Jones has at the end of No Country for Old Men yeah. that pretty much explains the title of the movie and like the kind of core theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of really it reminded me a lot of that, and I I really liked it though. Yeah. It's it's pretty even for this show it is pretty non sequitur. It wasn't necessarily eased into at the moment. Yeah. It definitely felt like here's the part in the script we're excited to get to. Yeah. <laughs> But that's okay. I think that there's there's two things I'm really beginning to just love about this show. And it's these semi-extended monologues that people have or conversations that are f- frequently they seem like they're about something else, but they're kind of tying into what's going on. And then yeah. I'm really loving the the direction of a lot of these actors, these little, little, little subtleties that they have, whether yeah. it be like how they pronounce something or these little tiny facial expressions. Like there was... There's a, the best part of this episode is one that ha- that we'll talk about for yep, sure. Absolutely. But even the opening scene with Danny, she had this, when she's telling her whole long scenario, it was one oh man, this is such camera porn, this show. It has so many just fantastic shots throughout it. And this opening shot on Danny is really, 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 really cool. And her her whole dialogue is really interesting and it's delivered so well and the way that uh, tulip tulip says i'm, I'm not going to kill your husband yeah and then and then danny just kind of has this moment of like oh, that's too bad and yeah. it's this real like <laughs> it's 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 almost as meditative as mcconaughey in tropic thunder when he does that little "huh," oh. <laughs> talking about his son which i still think that that little noise that he makes is some of the best acting of that year because it's no one else could do it and it's yeah. perfect but the the, the sh- with this show, the devil is really in the details with a lot of these performances, and it's just fascinating. I, I really, really am enjoying it so far. Yeah, I
0: should note, this is the first time that uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are not directors.
1: Yeah, I was just trying to look up who the director was. I couldn't find it.
0: I, I, yeah, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember who it is. I think he's worked on a lot of other AMC stuff. He worked on Breaking Bad and a okay. few other things. I'll try to look him up in a minute. But I think it's... I, I was curious when I saw that. I was like, "Is he going to continue the language of the show? Is it still going to? Are we going to feel it get away from them, or is it going to kind? Did they set it up really well?" And I think so far, it seems like it fits in the same.
1: Yeah, I think in ways it's actually almost a little better. It's yeah. almost becoming a little bit more refined. Yep. And then there's there's a there's a lack of action in this one, so mm-hmm. it's a bit of a contrast to the first two. But some of these little these little moments are getting really polished really well, and they're, yeah. they're finding this, you know, everyone's getting more into their characters now, and it's just very, very good.
0: Totally. Uh, so the strange men resolve to try again to capture the thing that they're going after, and we re- we see them reveal lots of guns and, and ammunition. So more on that later. Uh, we cut to a shot of uh, the girl in the Loach family with her mm. eyes open now, still catatonic at the very least but uh basically the mother is explaining to the uh to the organist at the church i forgot emily i think is her name yep explaining to emily that basically jesse ran away after her eyes opened up and uh but but the woman seems kind of she really downplayed jesse's words that he shared last week in terms of like well yeah that's meaningless to me cuz i still have to deal with this but now she seems kind of <laughs> repentant about that now that there's been some development in her daughter's uh, right. status so i thought that was uh kind of interesting uh we see the the quin cannon boy from the pilot who uh <laughs> uh the annoying kid from from uh wet hot wet hot yeah. american summer first day at camp on on netflix is he actually a quin cannon I think he's a Cannon because I think oh. he's Donnie Quincannon's son.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, Donnie is a, Donnie is a Quincannon. That's think, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: So basically, uh, the kid is apologizing to Donnie about, about the broken arm and the whole situation, but then Donnie tries to kind of explain what the situation is with his mother yeah. and how she likes the pain, but he doesn't quite do a good job of it, because there's no good way to explain that to a kid. I thought that was a fun... Fun little conversation. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then we pull up to... The the bus pulls up and uh, Donnie's letting his son get on the bus. But then we see the bus driver from last week not remembering uh, Janie, the young girl that he was weirdly lusting after. Mm-hmm. The kids call him Mr. Creepy Weirdo and remark about the fact that he kind of forgot her. So as Bruce said, we're starting to see some... <coughs> It seems like he forgot Janie, but he seems also still weirdly interested in Yes. It. So yeah. it didn't solve the issue. The the uh Jesse's actions didn't really fix anything. Correct. There, yep. As of yet. So uh interesting to note, maybe more on that in a later episode. And then finally, uh Emily's at the church and she knocks on the door to try and get in. Cassidy's there and uh, he opens up the door to find that there's a coffin to take care of on the front lawn, basically. And uh, he gets ready to go and do that, but then he finds Jesse in a kind of curious, pensive state, and he says, I want to show you something. So uh, that's act one. All that happened in act one of the show. Woo. Pretty heavy. But I,
1: I really liked the uh, the brief kind of moment of something's up that Donnie has after the bus driver. He see, He says, like, what happened to you? And then he doesn't get a chance to talk about it. And there's kind of this moment of, like, huh, that's weird. And the combination of that exchange and then Emily talking to the uh, Mrs. Loach. Yeah. I I really feel the series building towards this eventual, like, townsfolk with pitchforks kind of thing, uh, just bearing down on Jesse, on Jesse. I think that the... Uh, the people, some dots are going to start to get connected, and eventually someone's going to say like, "The preacher broke my arm, and he went and visited your daughter, and he burned your face with like." And pretty soon, all these all these little moments that he's having that he's not paying attention to, I think, are going to start to yeah really accumulate and snowball into some big like conflict of of Anvil versus Jesse Custer.
0: Interesting. And I'm really
1: excited if that's true because that's <laughs> and this this is pure speculation. This isn't informed at all by anything that happens in the comics. So okay. I think that I see there there was a little moment in in Donnie's face where he's kind of like, man, that's weird. Why does that guy got that big ass bandage on yeah. his face? And he kind of just had this look in his face, like
0: huh, all kinds of weird happenings how, going. How many on?
1: more people are going to be walking around sporting like <laughs> you know sutures and stuff before someone goes, hey man, who whooped your ass? Oh, yeah. it was that preacher, huh?
0: Yeah. Interesting. Even with what happens with Donnie later on in the episode, um, you can see that he's clearly more than tipped off that Jesse's got more going on. But all right, we'll get back to that. Uh, Act two opens up. Tulip's pulled over on the freeway. She basically gives kind of a, it's not really a sob story, but she hands over like a fake license to the cop and kind of tips off that she was maybe in the military, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. I think she could easily be in the military, but she could also easily just have that ring to kind of get out of this kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. That's good. It's
1: so playful. (laughs) And just, you know, she's still crushing it. And uh, this feels like the first episode where we've really had some good utilization of Tulip. Yeah. That's really exciting.
0: Yeah. Even even like the arrested development of the Tulip storyline didn't bother me this much this episode because I feel like... Oh, we he finally get, got some answers. Yeah, we get we get yeah. some answers, and she gets enough to do otherwise. That's still kind of like okay, it's not grading on me any, anymore. Yep. And I think Jesse's. We'll get to this later, but Jesse's feelings on the matter kind of actively it makes sense of why she's trying hard and why he's resisting. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so basically, Tulip gets out of a sixty-five-over <laughs> uh, ticket. Which is pretty good. Kind of shows her uh, prowess of charisma uh-huh. at the very least. That was a great scene. And she said she explained that she'd break a hundred laws just to get Jesse back on track. Mm-hmm. I, I presume is who she was talking about. So uh, we cut to Jesse using his powers on Cassidy. Pretty much having a lot of fun with it. It right. almost seems like he gets kind of carried away until he almost knocks Cassidy out. Uh-huh. That was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ca- Ca- Cassidy's acting ridiculous worked well i could see that being the scene that they read to figure out
1: who how Uh, the chemistry works yeah that's that's what they read in the 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 screen test or whatever for them
0: yeah totally the audition yeah uh, you know
1: that's always a process that i'd love to hear more about like which parts of the script did you read or there's a lot of great stories uh from both films and TV shows stemming out of like what happened during a casting session or yeah. you know how one actor would go in to read for one part, but instead they'd read for another part and they'd be like, Oh, you know you were actually really good for that. I mean, there's oodles of those. That's a
0: reason to listen to the preacher insider podcast. Cause I know that oh? on the better call Saul and breaking bad insider podcasts, they very often have the actors on to talk about that kind of thing. And one of the beautiful things about breaking bad, you kind of learn that they would write fake scenes that are very much in the same tone. Of what they want to grab the actors for, this is in like the later seasons for smaller parts, maybe. Gotcha. But they would they would match tone and kind of emotion and where they wanted things to go, but they would make it completely removed from the show so that they didn't give away any plot details. That's clever. So that's uh, listen,
1: that must be nice if you have just writing to spare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've exactly. got this great dialogue that we're not going to use. Mm-hmm. Oh So
0: well. Check out the Preacher Insider podcast. I don't know how much they'll get into that, but. They have the access to the know. people to do that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love I love hearing about that kind of stuff. So that, that would be really interesting to know.
0: Yeah. Uh then we cut to Cannon, Meet and Power. We see a woman deliver some papers to Odin who's sitting in the dark listening to the slaughterhouse via intercom. Yes. Kinda of tells you a lot about Odin. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Without we're right, with we're no right dialogue. On, we're
1: right on track so far. <laughs> we're 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 full speed ahead with Odin Quincanon. Yeah. It's great.
0: I I as soon as that that shot pulls up of his office, I'm like, Man, what a room to put Jackie O'Haley in. It's giant, crusty old,
1: minimalist, scary, dark, yep. long. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and like very violently lit. Yes. Awesome. So good. And then yeah, uh,
1: and I said while we were while we were watching it, the casting on this show is so great from top to bottom because that woman is walking down the hallway and you just have this profile of her and she has just got this beak of a nose and it is just (laughs) just spectacular like she's i'm just watching this the secretary walk and i'm immediately like man do these people all feel like the realest people even though this show is so heightened reality it's just it's excellent i love that they're i love that they're picking these little oddballs for all these parts it's Mm -hmm. really you know that that woman in the hallway, she literally has no dialogue yeah and she's so she's so memorable (laughs) yeah it's great
0: yeah absolutely all right, and then we close out Act 2 with Cassidy kind of consoling Jesse on his on his powers. Jesse's got a little monologue saying, It feels like there's a big blender in my gut, and inside that blender there's everything. Love, hate, fire, ice, polonium, ice cream, tarantulas, every, everything. All of God's creation inside of me. And then Cassidy kind of comes back at him eventually saying come on Padre you just imagine the possibilities here we get the title of the episode in Cassidy's words just to Mm -hmm. kind of be like you could do something with this like there might be a reason you have this power so interesting yeah
1: I think it's interesting you took it that way
0: Uh, why did you you, did you take it in a more sinister manner yeah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, I think
0: I think uh, I think that's what's on Cassidy's mind but I think he's appealing to what he thinks Jesse would want that's to hear. Because I think Je- he, while he and Jesse kind of know each other and he knows that there's more to Jesse than what he's seeing, he also kind of, I think he sees the front-facing priest or preacher part of Jesse and knows that he can kind of be like, you could do some good with this power while simultaneously being like, and you could also help me with this power. That's,
1: that's good. Yeah, totally.
0: So... I think that was that was a fun little thing. I'm interested on in why they picked polonium as the element to throw into that little speech there. But I'll have to read up on that. As a chemical engineer myself, I thought it was kind of curious. Polonium, I think, is radioactive and kind of later on down the table. But more on that later, maybe. Um, all right. Act three. We open up on the strange men, one of them sitting on the bed and watching the Tom Cruise funeral procession on the news. <laughs> and it's kind of fun listening to the background dialogue there about the he was in countless movies top gun and mission Mission impossible (laughs)
1: it's funny that that joke is just still kind of carrying over yeah
0: (laughs) it's funny because i feel like that was probably all seth rogan but i really love it even though i don't typically love seth rogan yeah same here i think that i it just it's really funny it's a funny little little thing that they throw in but uh Basically, we see the strange men suiting up in their military garb and getting ready to go and take another go at Jesse, I suppose. Uh, and then here, <laughs> here I didn't know his name, so I had him down as broken arm Quinn Cannon. But Donnie, Donnie meets with Odin to discuss... About some non-responsive customers or prospective customers of Quincanon meat and power.
1: Or more people, they just want to bulldoze, buy he, out, and
0: yeah. And he's just kind of absorb- like, "Do you want me to talk to him?" And then Odin's like, "You could clean this plate off for me," <laughs> <laughs> and he can't do that because he's got one arm. So
1: it was it was awesome. <laughs> Odin <laughs> was remarks,
0: "Right hand man with no right hand." <laughs> that's that's like his third line in the episode, and that's it for Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah pretty good no so, that, i
1: thought that was a pretty brilliant way of displaying that he's kind of useless right now yeah it was really funny it's kind
0: like, of showing the dynamic in the family i think last episode we watched donnie break that guy's nose potentially being another quincannon brother or just somebody else working at the mm-hmm. at the family so maybe you're seeing kind of like a trail of negligence like not negligence but like the kind of maybe Donnie's got abandonment issues or something and he's feeding it down into the people that work below him or something like that or his little brother or just or frustrations of yeah yeah not he's, being
1: able to please his old man
0: yep so uh but also he couldn't I, he does that because i think at one point he drops a pen and Donnie can't pick it up because of his arm or something like that i think that's what, so it's a little bit more about his ineffectualness as well so we're getting a lot of
1: Oh, yeah, I just I just took it as like the meanest thing because he, he, he asked him, do you want me to go kick his ass? He's like, yeah. do you want me to go, go down there and kick his ass and show him what's up? And even in the moment, I was kind of thinking like, well, you really only got the one arm. So yeah, what maybe, are you going to do? Maybe you could. I don't know. But <laughs> then I just like that Odin, instead of just telling him, hey, man, you're you're a dumbass, he just goes like, just pick up that tray instead. And then he can't even do it. He goes, never mind. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. man, that's great. Yep.
0: Uh, we cut to... Tulip catching... Or no, excuse me. We've got... um, So we see Cassidy at the crematorium. The Ernesto E. Ernesto crematorium. Is that familiar? No? No. Nothing in the comic? All right. And uh, Cassidy spots the strange men driving by, probably heading over to the the church. Uh, But then... Tulip catches up with Jesse on the road and, and they kind of stop to smoke and she mentions Houston and says hello and Jesse doesn't really care and asks her if he seems different. She's kind of like, you seem tired and worn out. You don't look good, but it seems more common nowadays. So uh, Tulip's kind of like, I don't care about any of that. Let's talk about my job. I got this piece of paper from Danny and it causes Jesse to say the name Carlos so now we have a name, but who's Carlos? That's another question we got here. They flash back to uh a similar flashback that Tulip had earlier in the episode showing that Jesse shoots a cop. I think we're good. Uh showing Jesse shoots a cop and uh and then I think Danny drives away. Doesn't she shout Danny? No, she says, uh,
1: she just says, like, stop. I think she says, wait. Okay. Because I think that they show it early in the episode, and it implies that Jesse left her. Because yeah. she says to Danny, that's where Jesse left. Or, that's that, where everything, that, yeah. that was the end, or that was that was the day, and that was the end for me and Jesse, or something like that. And then they show it, and so I instantly took it as, like, oh, wow, Jesse totally left her high and dry. And you hear, like, a bank siren in the background. Yep. So, But then they show that jesse was right there and so i it's implied now anyway to me that it's carlos carlos left them them. over yeah she also does say she spouts off a whole string of remarks about carlos she says like he's a kid killing life ruining two time and four flushing kind of kind of thing but she lists off this string of like credentials basically that he's a bad dude yeah and that he definitely screwed them out of something serious or killed somebody that was you know really important to them
0: yeah, so she says, "Come on, Jesse, come on, let's go kill Carlos." And then they drive off in Tulip's they car, peel out, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it's like it's it's she's kind of rattling off his resume to kind of be like, "You you want to be a good man? Let's go stop this bad man." Mm-hmm. So, uh, Act Four: Strange Men are packing up their arsenal, head over to the church at night. So I guess maybe they weren't heading over there yet, but Cassidy ends up running them over in his van. And uh, then he kind of quickly realizes that he's already killed them once. He's going to go get the stuff to clean them up, and they come in the church. <laughs> and, uh, I love his, he just says clones.
1: like, And he's totally fine with that answer. He <laughs> just walks away. He's like, all right. Yeah. It's going to take a little longer to bury him. And he's like, yeah, clones must be. <laughs> yeah, It's funny, the the perspective that he must have being a vampire, he's just kind of like, Well, whatever. What do I Yeah, hear? he
0: like is ready to... Believe in discount, basically anything <laughs> and that's just going on. get
1: ready for the next set of clones whenever they show up, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty good,
0: um, so they kind of have this discussion and and the the strange men reveal that the preacher has something of of theirs, and they want it back, uh so then we cut away um, Jesse and tulip are gassing up at a gas station, and Jesse's trying to tell Tulip something, but this dude is honking at her from behind to get out of the way and she just won't have it at all and then we get this micro expression from jesse that you oh, you enjoyed very much It's so funny it's beautiful he gives a little just a little head shake to how
1: there's a whole his whole face does like the wave it's really funny <laughs> he's sitting there and it, it's one of those things that's so it's so perfect and practiced and learned over time like the you really in that expression you very clearly told us that like he has spent so much time with tulip and he knows her so well and that this is just another ridiculous thing that she does all the time like it gets almost no actual reaction out of him yeah when what she's doing is clearly just just ridiculous it's so stupid and he just look, and as he starts to look back he goes like one of his eyebrows comes up and you see his jaw move he's just kind of like like he's trying to think of how to react to it and instead of just the little tiniest like, of head shakes. I'm not going to say anything. Very very
0: funny. It's very similar. It's reminiscent to me of Iron Man Two with Justin Hammer at the bar <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. there, and Justin Hammer says something about how Christine Everhart or whatever her name is is right. uh, is is doing a spread on him or something like that, and you just see Robert Downey Jr. kind of give this quick little. <sighs> no, I'm not gonna not gonna comment on that. Right. It's a very similar expression and. Just as just as well thought out and mm-hmm. decidedly placed there that kind of really lets you appreciate these people playing these characters. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so, great. Uh, but then we have Jesse head in to go to the bathroom and Donnie's in there with a gun. And uh, he basically wants to humiliate Jesse or kill him or something like that for the reputation that Donnie's kind of gained. But then uh, Jesse says, I'll make you one promise. If the cops find your body, I'll make it look like a suicide. And then he uses his power to set up that suicide tableau. But then kind of as he realizes what he's doing, he's enjoying it a little bit up until he gets to the point of where he's about to essentially kill this man against his will. Obviously, you kill somebody, it's against their will. But uh, he tells Donnie (laughs) to drop the gun. And then he says, I get it. Do you know what he meant by that? Do you What did you get off of that, that uh, kind of reaction?
1: That was a little weird. I think that was not so much about the power, but I think he thinks that he was given that power.
0: Is it maybe Cassidy's words clicking with him?
1: Well, I think it is that, and he... The, the whole season so far and obviously we're still barely into it it feels like we're on like episode seven even though we're totally not yeah and i've been wondering why he hasn't talked about or thought about the the heavenly body that visited him and 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 i was wondering like if he forgot like if if the moment was you know quote-unquote traumatic enough where his his brain shut it blocked it out yeah but I, i'm thinking that he probably chalked it up to just being drunk maybe yeah. Yeah, But I think in this moment, he's kind of understood that he has this power now in order to maybe fulfill his mission and help the people of Anvil, like become a better preacher and like show them the, the light of the Lord, etc. And I would love to go back and watch the pilot again to see if he had, I'm pretty sure he has a moment where he's like praying or he starts to pray and he's like, I w- he has some kind of mission statement of what he wants to do. Yeah. And I think that's when it shows up. And I'd love to watch it again to hear what exactly what he was saying. But anyway, I think what he's saying is he's, it, it's not him understanding how the power works because I think he gets it. Uh, but I think he's, uh, he, uh, well, he says I get it. So <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I it, think he, he's basically understanding now he he thinks it's part of his mission. And so I think it's, again, it's going to reignite that, like the the preacher in him that wants to like actively help people. Interesting. But I think he still hasn't quite learned firsthand how destructive it can be accidentally.
0: Yeah. He doesn't, I don't think he understands the literal, how exactly how literal it is. Yeah, he
1: hasn't told anybody anything that's too, like, up to interpretation, uh, uh, except for Annoying Man in the first episode, and even then, I'm not sure if he's really understood Good old Ted
0: Ted Ryerson. Yes. So, yeah, that's right. He still hasn't made that connection.
1: I was waiting for them to to cut back to the girl who was catatonic, and then being like, her eyes are, like, crusty and, like, getting infected and shit, because they won't close or they can't close them, which is the way it works in the books, basically there's no there is no reversing it unless he does it.
0: But I wonder if it if like in that case, he says open your eyes, not keep your eyes open. True, but he like, doesn't say open them and then
1: close them. Yeah. So I mean that that's how it works though. Like okay. it, that it's it's just open your eyes. Okay, what do I do next? So I I, I think that there may be some sort of incubation period or some sort of half life on his powers, like for it to eventually fall off. But there's some pretty specific ones that happen later in the books that are pretty interesting, where he he begins to learn how to calibrate it in a way so that he he knows to say like sit here for one hour and then get up and leave kind of thing. So he yeah. kn- he starts to know how to like he's how to really time learned it. the yes his ways around. it. So, so he could have like I almost expected him when he got it with Donnie. I almost expected him to say wait ten minutes and then go home and or something like that. Yeah and he can he can get very specific with it it's really cool i'm I'm really excited that now he's starting to kind of tap into it and, and that, play around a bit yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's really neat,
0: awesome uh so Jesse kind of walks out and having had that epiphany, he decides not to go to Carlos and tulip gets pretty angry with him and uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny, yeah, so still waiting for that to break off more but i think getting the backstory and understanding more about why they are the way they are it mm-hmm. bothered me less this episode that uh oh for sure that that tulip is still these two unstoppable the unstoppable forces meeting the immovable object. like that's what that is literally
1: i feel like the three lead characters are all kind of in a place now where they've all caught up to me so i feel like i with the pilot you really got a sense of who jesse was what he wanted to do where he was going and with Cassidy, you don't really get that, but you don't need it. And I think the show kind of builds in the idea that Cassidy doesn't really need a clean-cut objective. He's kind of there as a, almost a foil. But I think that there's there's something some big stuff coming around the corner for him.
0: He's got a little bit of that chaotic thing going on. Right.
1: When but- we did learn kind of what his chief force of antagonism is in, in these vampire hunters that are always yeah. trying to find him. Yep. And now I feel like Tulip is finally in a place where we understand her motivations. We understand why she wants Jesse involved so bad, and uh, just kind of what she's about. We've had a lot of examples of her ability to talk her way in and out of situations, and uh, so I feel like those three are all kind of on a level playing field now as far as character development. So
0: you thought Jesse left her high and dry in the flashback,
1: the very first time they showed yeah. it. I assumed it was Jesse driving away
0: and her saying, "No way." So when you learned happening. when you learned more. Is this harkening back to something in the books? I don't want you to speak too much to it, but is it? Yes, is it there? Okay, yeah, in
1: a in a way, yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay, all right. it's just yes, but Tulip is super different in the, in the yeah. show, yeah. so it is kind of the same, but kind of not.
0: Okay, that's all right.
1: We'll, we'll see what the next episode has in store. Yep, <laughs> that's uh, funny. I think I think the Tulip situation is going to be like the number one talking point of the whole season. We're, just going, to, we're yeah. just going to keep going like, so what's up with hey, Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, you know. Um, Alright, and then we've got, starting up with Act 5, the strange men are still talking with Cassidy. Uh, wondering what they're kind of from, what they want to do with Jesse's power. They tell him they're from the government. And Jesse's like, no, like what part of the government? Idiots. And then they're like, the 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 weird looking one I think he called yeah. him. Uh, great. He's, <laughs> he said, we're from heaven. He just straight out comes out and says it. Yeah. Now, I think in the same way that we know Cassidy was telling the truth, likely telling the truth about his age in the last episode, I yeah. feel like this guy's just kind of like, like, I'm still wondering, are these guys from heaven? But you know something's up with them. Yes. Because they're clones. And they keep coming <laughs> after him. Like, there's, like, it's, something's going on. So you kind of want, I want to take him at face value. But. We'll we'll see kind of more about that. Uh, Cassidy promises them to kind of deliver Jesse to them. So I think that's what you're saying. And like Jesse's got more, something more on the horizon in terms of something that he may or may not need to Cassidy, do. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Um. Yes. I think. Well, I think Cassidy is a really interesting character because he he doesn't really have to do anything. I think he's he's at the point where he's. He doesn't really have any friends he doesn't have any real connections and i do think he has a really genuine bond with jesse like he does he does see a real friend in him yeah and somebody who will accept him and uh frankly maybe a a preacher is the one sort of person he hasn't tried being friends with yet Mm -hmm. but i think uh there is there is a real connection between those two and i think cassidy is kind of a guy who just kind of Explores. Like, yeah. so what'll happen if I do this? What'll happen if I do that? Kind of thing. He's used to drifting. He's used to wandering. And I think it's int- I really like what they've done with him. Kind of set him up as like the church kind of gopher to just kind of do the odd jobs in order yeah. to be able to stay. And it's it's cool because you know he doesn't need to. He doesn't really need to do anything. But the fact that he's staying there is He pretty, wants it, to be there. Yeah, he does. Even before he finds out about Jesse's power. And now there's something really keeping him there because I think he's, he's never seen anything like it. Um, I do yeah. think... As of right now, it does seem like his intentions are pretty pure in order to, to, it seems
0: like he wants to resolve things peacefully. I think that he, no, keep going with, with your thoughts on it and then I'll say what I think.
1: Well, well, the two, the two gentlemen basically say they want to like, they want to kill jazz. Like they, they've made it clear they just want to kill him. And and he's like, well, listen, how about I will, I will bring him to you and you can talk to him. He'll listen to me. I'll explain your situation and that you have this thing that they, that you guys want back and we can just do it peacefully. And I think that, I think like three things. I don't know. I kind of do think Cassidy just wants to see what will happen if he gets Jesse in the same space as these guys. Yeah. I do think he kind of, I do think he has Jesse's interest in mind, as I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah. I think that we will probably see this show try to paint Cassidy as a potential turncoat a couple times. Like we we may kind of, it seems that that happens a lot to those kind of characters and in, in, in just in fiction where... They get painted as the would-be betrayer, and then either they are or usually like, whoops, no, he's friends all along. And Cassidy is such an interesting character in the books that they they can kind of do whatever they want with him.
0: It seems to me as though Cassidy's kind of um, keeping them closer so that he can be more aware of what they're doing and where they're trying to be. Like, it doesn't... doesn't, When I hear him say I'm going to, like, essentially deliver Jesse to you, I don't really believe... Like, I don't think he's just on the level going to be like, hey, Jesse, these guys want to talk with you. And this is the like, I maybe that's how he'll explain it. But he'll just kind of be like, maybe he's doing this to allow himself to give Jesse the upper hand. Yeah, like, I think so. That's that's what I came away with. But I do agree that it kind of paints him as potentially being somebody who could turn on. Especially
1: Jesse. with the tease for the next episode. Yeah, it kind of does that. And I, I I don't know what's going to happen. Truthfully, I think that he very well may just run to and go, Hey man, these guys, they say they're from heaven and they know about your power and they, they know what it is and they want it back. And then he'll say, maybe like, this is our chance to figure out exactly what the hell it is. Or, yeah. but I think he is kind of, he does almost have that little bit of joker on him where he kind of just wants the to the chaotic force of yeah.
0: curiosity. So, all right. And then, uh, we got two final points here. Uh, Eugene, or Arsface is at dinner with his father, the sheriff, uh, talking about Tracy Loach, the girl who's now opened her eyes, uh, which apparently is being passed around town, so that's mm-hmm. interesting to note. But uh, Arsface mentions wanting to go and visit her, and his father says, stay away from the whole family. You want to get yourself killed? And then he calls them a monster swamp. So calls the whole there. town a
1: Monster Swamp, doesn't he? I, he's, he's saying there's, like, maniacs on the loose and escaped lunatics. and
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah. So I think that's kind of playing into the, the sheriff getting heckled last week, being called a murderer, and kind of like, there's something going on here.
1: I have a theory about that now.
0: Is it a theory founded in comic no. knowledge? No. So... Well, let me, and then I'll say the final scene was Ted Ryerson's funeral with a beautiful portrait.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I kind of want to buy it on, on <laughs> that props website we were talking about.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and, uh, I think Emily, I think is the only one yep. sitting there with, uh, with the preacher given the, the sermon. So, um,
1: and we see the John Custer tombstone in the foreground. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And then there's kind of, there's like a gas outlet or something. Yeah. I don't really know if that meant anything or it was just kind of a...
1: Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was interesting.
0: Like a weird, I don't know. I was like, my first thought was like, is that a Cannon thing? Yes,
1: that's kind of what I thought too. Right? Yeah. I kind of think there's some big giant something stewing with the Cannon okay. empire. And uh, it definitely seems like they're building towards this three-way conflict with Cannon. Meet and power uh jesse custer and anvil and yeah. it seems like a- Quinn Cannon's kind of trying to soak up as much real estate as they can and uh for what purpose though other than just growing yeah it seems more nefarious than just uh building yeah. the building the commercial <laughs> yeah. empire
0: with that dark of an office that odin's in i don't know i think things are pretty light and happy <laughs> there so all right what's your theory on the sheriff
1: I think that Arsface is somehow involved in the accident that put the young loach woman into the coma
0: ah. and that
1: they were calling him a murderer. Arsface. And so when his dad turned around to like kind of say, what would you say? Because Arsface is the one that says, dad, just let it go. Yeah. Plus, he wants to go visit her. And his dad says, stay. You, you want to get yourself killed? Yeah. And I think maybe Arsface was either her boyfriend or something and they got into a car wreck or some... Somehow he was involved in her in her accident. And that
0: led to him wanting to kill himself. Correct.
1: And now he's this living, walking, terrible thing that <laughs> I just love. <laughs> Every time I don't think an episode of this will go by where the very first scene of him, the episode, I won't laugh a little bit. because, yeah. And it's not because I think he's really funny. I just I'm I'm in awe of this creation that they have because yeah. I, I hate that character so much in the comic. And he's really great in the show. Yeah, he's really great. Uh yeah, that's just great. But anyway, I I do I think that they're somehow related, and uh, I, I really I, I kind of missed the one-on-one talk between Eugene and and the preacher in this one. I was yeah. really enjoying those, and I don't want them to just keep having them and never have it go anywhere, like this after-school special moment. But I do I do really love Arseface's. Genu he's so genuine, and he really really wants to get good with god again and he really was like devout when he was young he, you know you say i used to be able to talk to god and i could hear him listening and i could hear him talking to me now i can't anymore and i think that's that's the most tragic thing in this whole show yeah that's 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 so much worse than a lot of the other terrible things we've seen so far because yeah. he just wants to so he, he feels so bad about what he did and he clearly wants to do whatever it takes to get to get good to get better again and we'll say get good <laughs> and uh that's just he's so sad and just yeah. so great You talked
0: about it a little bit in our Warcraft episode with, like, good people being the ones that really see the real unhappiness and bad things happening to them in terms of, like, Eugene seems to have this real heart, but it's kind of his own weakness kind of took it away from him, you know? That moment of him being kind of like, I gotta end this, I I messed something up, has kind of taken away the pure good that he felt that he was and it leads him to ask the question of does God hold grudges? That kind of thing. Oh man,
1: it's heartbreaking because yeah, he, uh, he's, he's so gross and so just kind of loathsome in the comic because he's, he's really embarrassing and just kind of stupid. And you, you understand why his dad, I mean, I shouldn't say you understand why his dad hates him, but I do like in the show, they humanize him so much more and they humanize his dad because his dad and, uh, the, the sheriff, uh, why am I blanking on his last name? Anyway, he um he he in the, in the comic is just awful. Like he's horrible yeah. to R's face. He just ignores him, and he's always like, ugh, like face palming. But R's face kind of is that way in the comic, <laughs> yeah. where you kind of like, you kind of get it. He's he just always he's always more. embarrassed of his kid. Yeah. But in in the show, he's just so human, and I like that they actually had a conversation. They had like a normal they had a normal talk for a minute, and then he brings up Tr- Tracy Loach. Is that her yep. name? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And then it kind of turns into that
0: like this town's full of terrible thing
1: yeah and it gets a little dark yeah root sheriff root yeah and uh but yeah i really i really like what they've done with with those characters i think it's really cool they've become much more initially when they said like w Earl brown was playing sheriff he's playing hugo root i was like that's awesome (laughs) but he's so different from what i expected but i'm really enjoying it that's good i think it's really good Good. but yeah eugene continues to just be just this little shining star yep (laughs) and it's great All right. But I I am really curious to see if that's going to play out like I think it is. Yeah. uh, It's pretty sad. That'll
0: be interesting. That'll be interesting. Um, So I think we can end up, we have a few questions from the episode. Who is Carlos is kind of the main one. Uh, Are the strange men actually from heaven, which is kind of a, we may or may not ever get any real confirmation about it, but we'll see. Uh, What's up with the Loach family? Like, I I kind of took that for some reason. I took that speech a little more pointed towards the Loach family, but I think we can incorporate it into what your theory is of like what's going on with the Loach family and the Root family. Like, what's did, does is is your theory going to play out that that similar way? Because I think there's like my my question here: Why is the sheriff so quick to tell Eugene to stay away? So that'll be interesting to see and then kind of the other question that I had coming out of this was will Cassidy actually deliver Jesse to the strange man uh but in terms of um answers for last from questions in the last episode uh so we get the answer that uh Jesse's power does work on the girl in a coma so clearly he's got his power has effect on more than just conscious humans which is uh in, important to note I think and then uh, from episode one, I, ha- I had more questions about kind of Tulip's background and what messed up work she's into. We get a little bit more about that with her and Jesse, that flashback. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that'll seem like we'll get more on that later. So overall, episode three.
1: I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think I almost, I probably liked it better than episode two.
0: Yeah, I can agree with I that. I think it's
1: a little more character driven, probably, yeah. but I think it's all—it's everything moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And this one felt like it had more forward momentum than even probably the first episode. Yeah, so I don't know. I do really want to go back and watch that pilot again now. I yeah, think, uh, that'd be interesting. the The shorter length of the episodes—I'm not sure if I'm really digging it. <laughs> I kind—I kind of am because I feel like it's going to with with the limited amount of episodes that we have and the in the shorter run time I think that things are going to start to really pick up steam and that's yeah. that's definitely good. I'd rather have a little bit less than a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, it it's really weird. We've both kind of remarked on how that 90 minute premiere was really kind of it, it's made these these past two episodes seem like they fly by. So Definitely. That's uh that's interesting. Um but yeah, no, I liked it a lot too and I'm excited to see more. So all right once again you can find more episodes of our podcast on g2tpodcast.com that's the letter g number two letter t podcast.com or also on itunes stitcher radio and google play music uh, so check that out as well we're also g2tpodcast on twitter and you can email us at g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on amc's preacher so we can read them on air much like bruce thank you bruce uh, send us corrections, observations, and anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. If you want to hear Nick and I talk about film with a few other friends, uh, be sure to check out the Midwest Film Nerds podcast at Midwest Film Nerds.com. And then the Midwest Podcast Network also has a video game podcast called the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. Make sure you check that out at Midwest Game Nerds.com. Our theme music is the song All In by the band The Red Thread, and it's being used under a non commercial Creative Commons license. And uh, I think we can end here. Make sure you check out the Preacher Insider podcast on iTunes. And uh, they do have two episodes up now. So go and check out uh, their, their podcast for this week. And, uh, yeah, I think I think I found a sign-off for the episode. Oh. And I think I just want to say, go forth and speak the good word. There
1: you go.